This is Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 91, Worry Time. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hey friends, how is it going? Episode 91. This is crazy. I know, I think I'm going to be saying this for the next 10 episodes before we hit episode 100 because we're going to be there before you know it. And I have no idea how I'm going to celebrate it or what the 100th episode is going to be about, but I'm not going to worry about it. Why? Because worry pretends to be necessary. My brain likes to tell me that if I worry about it, then I'm doing something, but I'm actually not. It's completely useless. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today. I find it crazy though that it's such a common thing. I talk about worry with so many of my friends, so many of my clients. It's something that I deal with myself and it took 91 episodes to talk about it, which is also kind of crazy. So let's make this episode a good one. First off, why do we worry? Well, Nick Wignall, who's a psychologist that I follow, and I love how he talks about worry. It's a form of overthinking where we imagine possible problems or dangers in the future. Now, this is not necessarily a bad thing to do because if it leads to you anticipating and planning for action, then that's pretty good, right? But worry is not helpful because it usually doesn't lead to new information or insights that can help. It usually leads to us spinning our wheels, but actually gets us more and more activated. And then we lose access to all our good thinking skills when we get activated, when we get stressed. We can't think straight anymore. Now, I also love the definition that Wignall gives. He says, worry is an attempt to mentally problem solve something that either isn't really a problem or isn't a problem that's solvable. And while problem solving is typically helpful in our lives, it's a waste of time and energy when we know it can't actually produce any results. And I love how he breaks things down for us a bit more to see how worry fits in the context of some of its cousins of stress and anxiety. Before we go any further, let's take a quick minute to define some key terms. Now, worry is unproductive thinking about a possible threat or danger. Anxiety is an emotion resulting from a perceived threat or danger. And stress is your physical, physiological response to a perceived threat or danger. So anxiety is kind of like the feeling or the emotion. Worry is kind of like the thought. And stress is kind of like the body sensation. Now, I think we can also toy around with the idea that worry can be an emotion. But even if we choose to say, I feel worried, Where do our feelings come from? They come from our thoughts. And our thoughts are optional, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. Now, worrying, whether it be considered a thought or a feeling, is also not helpful because it is just so future-focused. It takes us completely out of the present moment. We worry about something that is to come, or we worry about the outcome of something from the past that you might have done. 
But worry does not live in the present. It actually robs us of our ability to be living our life in the present. The more you worry, the more you're missing out on your actual life. And that's one of the reasons why worry is such an issue. Now let's get back to why we worry. I'm going to give you some different reasons as to why you may be worrying. We probably worry for all of these reasons, some of these reasons, a mixture of these reasons, but it's helpful to know what some of these reasons are. The first reason we worry is habit. At some point in our life, our brain believed that worrying was helpful. So it just keeps using it. Now, for many of us, worry is just a very well-worn pathway. We may not even consider that we're doing it. We just do it so automatically and we don't even realize it serves no purpose. We just get used to worrying and so we keep doing it. Now, we might've seen our parents worrying, our siblings worrying, our other caregivers worrying or influential people in our life worry. And so it just became what we did. So it's very habitual. The next reason why we worry is it gives us this illusion of control. And this is one of the main causes of worry, actually. It gives us this illusion of control. We do not like being out of control. But if you haven't noticed yet, many things in life are out of our control. And this can lead us to feeling anxious and hopeless and helpless. And the problem is, initially when we start to worry, our brain actually thinks it's helpful. It thinks, oh, good, she's going to get to the bottom of things. So it temporarily alleviates that anxiety and the discomfort initially, but then it's not long before it wears off. And because we got that immediate relief, the brain thinks, oh, but worry was a good thing because it gave me some immediate relief. So it keeps trying to get it back over and over and over again. So this illusion of control. Now, the third thing for reasons why we worry is it makes us feel good. And that may seem kind of crazy. You may not believe it, but it does. For many of us, we equate worry with love or care or concern. We tell ourselves that we're worrying because we care so much. Now, I'm not going to dispute that we love and care deeply, but we are getting something out of worrying. Dr. Phil used to always ask the question, what are you getting from that behavior? And people would say, no, no, I don't want to do it. I know that it's bad. But he would always say, but you're getting something out of it or you would not do it. Some of us, as I said, are getting that quick relief with the illusion of control. But other people get to feel that they're good or worthy or even better because they care so much. And it's really something that we perpetuate in society. So we'll, we'll say things to people like, aren't you worried about that? As if there's something wrong with you if you're not worried. I would be worried sick about that. You're not? Or you're not worried about her? And then, of course, we rush in to say, oh, of course I'm worried. Because we see that the expectation of showing care and love and concern is through worry. But I want to throw in there that actually the opposite is true. When we worry... The focus is really on us and how we feel and not the other person. Worry actually can feel good because it also lets us have temporary relief from feeling helpless, which feeling helpless often feels worse. At least I can worry for a bit, so it kind of feels like I'm doing something. So while we don't like worry, many of us prefer it over helplessness, and that's what we're getting from it. Now, another reason why people worry is to gain sympathy or empathy. They become a victim and getting pity actually feels good. Now, of course, this is subconscious, but if we look to others for our worth, if they see I'm worried and they give me sympathy and attention, I must be more worthy in their eyes 
Therefore, I am more worthy. So it sort of gets wrapped around our worth. Now, a variation of that is worrying to get out of things. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody where maybe it was a difficult conversation and the person was getting a little squirmy because maybe they were being forced to take some accountability? Well, worry serves as a big distractor. They may bring up all sorts of worries that they have. They have so much on their plate to avoid dealing with the discussion or the conflict on hand. So it's like aiming to get sympathy to get you out of accountability. Another reason that we worry, can you believe there are so many reasons why we worry? No wonder it's such a thing for all of us. But another reason we worry is we think it's preventative, that it will somehow stop something from happening or stop a negative emotion from happening. If I worry, I'll get sick or worry that I'll miss my plane or worry that I'll get in an accident. Our brain thinks that it can prevent it, but we know it can't. It often makes us hypervigilant. And when we're hypervigilant, that gives us more of an illusion of control. But all it really does is put us in a stress response and we actually lose more access to our thinking skills. We feel terrible and we're in these tense, stressed bodies. So not only can we not prevent the thing, the feeling, the unknown, but we cause double the suffering. Instead of dealing with whatever the adversity will be later, we now have to deal with all those unpleasant feelings now. And our brain does not know the difference between real and imaginary. So worrying about it, creating the imaginary scenario, forces our body and mind to experience it now. And if it actually happens later, then we have to go through it again. If it doesn't happen, then we've already gone through it really for nothing. Now, there is something to be said about preparation. And actually, what I will talk about later on is a strategy where you purposely direct yourself to worry, but everything changes when you can be intentional and deliberate. So worry does not prevent things from happening. And worry is also not a good predictor of things to come in the future. What we worry about might or might not come to pass. Sometimes, actually, the more we worry, the more likely it will come to pass. There's that quote that says, worry is like praying for the thing to happen. When we plant the seed of worry and then water it and nourish it, often it will grow because that's what we're focusing on. So just be mindful that worry is also not predictive. All right, so we've talked about the many reasons why we worry. Now, is there any benefit to worrying? I'll offer to you that the only way it can be helpful is if it propels you to take some type of action. So if you find yourself worrying about something and it serves like as a red flag to take action, like you're worried about a health issue and the worry propels you to go get it checked out, well, that's helpful. But often what happens is we just keep worrying or spinning with worry or worry about things that we can't solve or things that have happened or shouldn't have happened. And that is not helpful. So worry can be helpful in the very short term if it propels us to take action. Now, don't forget that worry actually activates your nervous system. And sitting in a chronic stress and activated state is not good for your health at all, physical or mental. So worrying is probably going to cause more harm than whatever it is you're worried about. So the question then becomes, what do we do with worry? If we consider worry a thought, then we want to look at how do we work on laddering our thoughts to not lead to the anxiety we create for ourselves. 
but rather have it lead to acceptance. If we think of worry as an emotion, and I'm going to offer that it is an indulgent emotion. I'm not sure if we've touched on indulgent emotions on the podcast before, but basically I want you to think of an indulgent food and what it is. It's usually something that tastes really good, but it basically has no purpose. So no nutritional value. We don't need it. Our bodies don't need it. When we eat it, we eat it because it feels good. It tastes good. We enjoy it. Now, indulgent emotions are similar to that. They're ones that feel good, like worry. They may give us relief from something else, like in this case, helplessness. And there can be other indulgent emotions like confusion or doubt or overwhelm or emotions that keep us stuck. Indulgent emotions don't help us move forward. So worry is pretty indulgent. It pretends to be necessary, but it will keep you stuck. So you do want to learn how to process it because the more you worry, the more practice you get worrying. And when we get good at it, it can become a habit. But I will offer to you worry is totally optional. How do we deal with worry? Well, you can try out a few of these strategies that I'm going to suggest and see what works for you. Not everything works for everybody. The first tool that I like to use, and I think it's a pretty good one, and it must be pretty good because it was highlighted on the show, This Is Us. Now, you might have seen the show, This Is Us, such a good show. Anyhow, it is one episode. Actually, it's more than one episode. They do it a few times where Randall and Beth, they talk about playing this game called the worst case scenario game, where each person takes a turn to say all the bad things that they're thinking, no judgment, no censorship. Then they proceed to decide who the winner is. Well, my game is a bit of a modified version and I've used it often for myself or with my kids when they're trying to make decisions about something or when they're feeling worried or scared or anxious about something. And the anxiety, of course, is often fueled by worry. So basically, you're going to take a situation and you describe out the worst case scenario. Now, sometimes as you do this, you begin to see the worst case scenario is actually not all that bad, that it's tolerable or you would be able to handle it. Or sometimes, yeah, it can get pretty bad, but you face it. You begin to make peace with it. If this were to happen, I may not like it, but I can handle it. The next thing you do is you give equal airtime to the opposite, the best case scenario. Again, you play it all out so you get a taste of what it might feel like for you. Now, a lot of times people stop there. They have this comparison. They see the range. I actually like to take it a step further and ask, what is the most likely scenario? Then we play out at least one of the most likely scenarios. It can be helpful to really play around with this one and play around with a few scenarios. Now, if your brain gets trapped in the I don't know game, then you give it a little nudge by asking, okay, if you did know, and you can listen back to the episode I had on I don't know, If you did know, what would I do? How would I deal with it? If it's also something that's really difficult, you can also ask, what would be something that somebody else would do in this very same scenario? Sometimes it's hard for us to think of what we would do, but if we could think of somebody that we admire or respect and ask what would they do, that could give us some indication of what we could do. It's amazing how we can be objective and have perspective with somebody else's challenges rather than our own. So we do worst case, best case, most likely case. Our brain will want to linger and hang out with worst case, 
but make sure you give it equal airtime and you give equal airtime to the best case and most likely case. Now, the next strategy I want to offer is called worry time. And this is where you create time to worry. How it works is you set aside 10 to 15 minutes a couple times a week to specifically focus on worrying. If your worry is really high, you may need more time. Like you may need to start out with like 30 minutes every single day. And hopefully as you go, you're going to train your mind in this strategy so you'll reduce your planned worry time eventually. During this time, you allow your mind to worry. You go all in, like worst case scenario, allow the fear and anxiety. You research the worry. You choose to worry. Let your mind take over. No censoring. Encourage you to write your worries down. Dump them all out. Empty your brain. Completely worry freedom for that time. You may want to set a timer and worry until the timer goes off. And when your timer is done, you are done. Now, of course, your brain is not going to want to be done. So we need to do some puppy training or toddler training on your brain. In between these worry sessions, whenever you notice your mind going toward worry, you redirect it to when you are planning to worry next. Or you say something like, we already worried about that today. We're going to worry about that in the next worry session. By doing this, what you're doing is you will end up training your brain to not worry because when it comes up every single time, you are guiding it back to the scheduled time. When it's not worry time, you are going to need to distract your brain because it's one thing, the worry will come up. You say, no, we worried about it yesterday. We're worrying about it tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. That's one way to redirect your brain but chances are it's going to keep coming back. So we want to distract your brain. You need to redirect your mind and attention away from worry. Sometimes, obviously, the brain can't quote unquote not worry. So you have to give it something to do. You want to come up with a list of things that you can turn your mind to on purpose. How will you fill that void of worry when you don't let worry be there? Where will you go when you're not worrying? Will you listen to music? Will you read? Will you write? Will you do a puzzle? Will you think a different thought? Will you draw? Will you go for a walk? Will you do a deep breath? You want to give your brain a direction and tell it what to focus on. So as I was saying earlier, it's a little bit of puppy training or toddler training. So think of training a puppy. A puppy will go over and chew on your shoes and you stop the puppy from doing it. You just don't stop them. You redirect them and distract him every single time. And you don't do it once. You're going to have to do it over and over and over again. And you just don't give up. Or think of a toddler learning to walk, always heading towards the stairs or maybe the road or trying to get something that they're not allowed. You keep stopping them. And when you stop them, you redirect them. You give them a distraction. And you don't just do it a couple of times because it's too important. You train them to do something else. So training your worry is important just like that. Remember, worry is robbing you of living your life right now. So you need to be invested in training and redirecting. And as you do this, you are building up a new pathway, a new habit. Now, thirdly, if nothing else, you feel you can't stop the worry or you are not ready to let the worry go, 
I just want you to talk about the importance of identifying your worry and feeling the worry in a relaxed body. When you feel that worry come on, stop and take a deep breath. Relax your body, release the tension, sort of do like a rag doll, tense yourself up, and then let all your muscles go. Take a nice deep breath again and acknowledge that worry is there, but it's now there in a relaxed body. Allow it to be there. Remember, feelings can't hurt you. They just don't feel good, but they will not hurt you. Often we feel worry because we're feeling helpless. And actually, it's okay to feel helpless and allow that feeling and move towards acceptance. But you can only really allow and accept things in a relaxed body. So work on relaxing that body. Lastly, as I mentioned before, sometimes in society, we think worry often symbolizes things. For example, we think it symbolizes that you love and care about them. You love and care about people more. We tend to even want to worry or think we need to tell people that we're worried as we think it makes us look like we love and care more deeply, but it really serves no purpose. So the last thing I want to offer to break this pattern of thinking this way is to make a list of all the ways you really do love and care about the people that you're worried about. Make a list as to why not worrying is showing up to be more of who you want to be. Then when you're confronted with the need to justify worry, you can remind yourself why not worrying is the more loving and compassionate way to go. That's it, my friends. I do want to leave you with a couple of thoughts because sometimes when we are worriers, we tend to judge ourselves a lot. I want to offer to you that there's no judging. If you're a worrier, it's okay. It's all about becoming more aware and then becoming more intentional with who you want to be and reminding yourself you can figure things out. Reminding yourself, I've done hard things before. I'll be able to do them again. I will be able to handle whatever is presented in front of me. Reminding yourself that feeling this pain now and this worry now is not going to prevent from feeling it in the future. Reminding yourself that whatever situation is handed to you is going to help you build resilience. It's going to help you be stronger. Remind yourself of your capacity and your capabilities. You can handle things. You can handle many hard things. So worrying is not going to bring you any benefit. You've got it covered. You're going to be able to handle whatever comes in the future. So don't waste your time and energy on worrying. If you can't seem to escape it, then try some of the strategies that I've offered to you today. It can be hard to break the pattern of worry, but it is so worth it. So keep trying. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.